Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi guys, thanks for downloading our Assassin's Creed special. As you can imagine, we're going to be talking about all the mainstream games from the Assassin's Creed series, and then we move on to talking about the film. Needless to say, from this point on, there be spoilers everywhere. We spoil the games, we spoil the film. If you want to do any of those without having key plot points and things ruined for you, we suggest you come back and listen to us when you're done playing or watching. Otherwise, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thanks again for listening to us. Welcome to the Character Unlock Assassin's Creed special. Uh, Our first episode of 2017. Our first special of 2017. Uh, Mainly because I really, really wanted to talk about, or we really, really wanted to talk about the new Assassin's Creed movie. I am hosting, I'm Andrew Brooker, as always, and joining me, as always, is my good buddy John. Hello. And for the first time, Foul Critics regular, Brian Plank. Good evening. Hello, mate. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. We have a good laugh when we, uh, when we do the Foul Critics together, so yeah. It's, it's good to have another Assassin's Creed super fan to talk to. Talk to. But straight into it, because there's no news, because it's just after Christmas, and fuck all is happening, so there's no news at all. So I'll tell you what, because it seems like a really short bit between my intro music coming in, and me about to put in another bit of music to start the talk about Assassin's Creed, do we want to talk a bit about why, or where we first came across Assassin's Creed, and, and why we still play it, if we still play it? Okay, so for me, my first coming across Assassin's Creed, uh, it was not long after I got my first job working in a kitchen, I walked into the local game store and just picked up an Xbox 360. Literally just there and then, just made the decision. First paycheck, bought an Xbox 360. In the bundle came with Forza 2, Viva Piñata, copy of the FIFA of the time, and Assassin's Creed 1. So, naturally, the first game I put on, of course, was FIFA, and then afterwards decided to give Assassin's Creed a bash. And I haven't looked back since. They've been pretty decent games, I guess. So yeah, that's that's me starting off with uh, how I got into Assassin's Creed by accident. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, by accident works works for me. Brian, how about you, mate? I think I was picked up from my girlfriend's PS3 because it would have been like five pounds in game or something. I got the first one and I played it. And the the first five minutes, you're in a street in Jerusalem and there's a hanging and you have to run up and interrupt the hanging and then it all goes all glitchy and you think what the hell is this yeah and I was completely confused then it got better and you think oh there's actually a bit of moral ambiguity there's running about there's 
bits from history that are exciting and are true and they all have that bit that says this has been put together by a team of different religions and faith and you think I actually believe this this is folk who want to make something interesting yeah my experience wasn't much different I came across well no I didn't come across Assassin's Creed by accident I, I, I heard about it it must have been six months before it came out and I was a PC gamer at the time I was really excited for this game and it turned out as most of the Assassin's Creed games have been they they were going to delay the first one by an unknown amount of time. And by the time they had announced this, I was so pumped to play Assassin's Creed. I was fucking distraught. Absolutely gutted. So I actually went out on release date and bought a PS3 and Assassin's Creed 1 specifically so I could play the game because I didn't want to wait God knows how long for it to come out on PC. And yeah, I, I never looked back. I... I fell in love with it completely. Like you say, none of the trailers and that led you to believe that there was any of the future stuff in this in this game. So when it goes all glitchy and all fucked up, you know, holy shit, what the hell is going on here? And that continues for about half an hour while the, the whole story is explained to you. And yeah, I was blown away, absolutely blown away. Little yeah. So let, let's let's move on then. So we've all we've, we've all obviously then played Assassin's Creed one. So should we should we move on and talk? about Assassin's Creed and the eight games that followed it. So Assassin's Creed 1 came out in 2007. Guys, this game came out in 2007. What? What? Holy shit. That said, it's 20 years of Tomb Raider and I can remember Tomb Raider anniversary, which is 10 years of Tomb Raider, so we not do something big for 10 years. Oh, we must be. We must. The ten-year anniversary. We've got to be due. Oh yeah. Something. The next. We've got, a, we've got a film. <laughs> oh god. That is the something big and special we got. We got a film. We got a video game adaptation movie. Is our something special? Wait till we get the game of the film. Oh, god. Uh-huh. That would literally be the worst. Can we get Lego Assassin's Creed the movie? <laughs> the game. <laughs> that uh-huh. I would play. That actually sounds kind of interesting. Just walking up and using the hidden blade on a Lego. Lego Batman Assassin's Creed. Yeah. The movie, the video game. So yeah, so the film... The film, fuck me. <laughs> the game came out in 2007 and was this massive sandbox, open world, action, stealth, hybrid thing. And I, I don't know about you guys, I can't think of any game that was like this when it came out. The only sandbox game I've played up to that point was Spider-Man 2. Okay. Which is, and still is, I think the best PS2 game. It's tons of fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. But a, a big block in Manhattan is not the same as all of Christendom. No. And, and going around, okay, it's only three different sort of environments, but the, the three cities in the kingdom and Masia. Yeah. That was exciting. Like the first time I climbed a tower in the kingdom and you could see the whole map, lots of it's empty, but it's just so much space to go <laughs> do things in. Yeah, and it, that's one that, where I went. It was that moment when you go, holy crap, look at what these guys have done. Yeah, it was exciting. It was, after me, I, I, the, the whole the third person open world stealth action adventure thing didn't grab me as much as the fact that it was a proper, it, well, it certainly looked like anyway at the time, a proper, like, historical game. 
I mean, it's set in the 1190s? 1191, I think? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So during the Third Crusade. I'm not yeah. the one that's just been reading the Wikipedia pages. Someone who's, else can tell you that one. No, that, that, was, that was me. I was who's who's the guy with the Wikipedia page? Please tell me if it was 1190 or 1191. I'll go nuts. I, I'm trying I'm trying to... Uh, the whole... The fact that you've gone for a, a year's difference is... Uh, <laughs> and that's, it's bugging you that much. I just saw the, the 1191 in my quick scrolling. There you go. It does say 12th century like 50 times beforehand. This is classic radio. Yeah. Yeah, 1191. So yeah, so it's during the Third Crusade, and that was the thing that really, really kind of grabbed me about it. It wasn't that I could go around, you know, ninja killing people. I could do that with Metal Gear Solid if I really wanted to. But it was the fact that it, it, I was going to get to play a game that was set, you know, in, in the Holy Land. You know, in Jerusalem during the Crusades is an awesome time to uh, to set a game. I was... Well, so you're going to say an awesome like time to be alive. Cause... I'm not entirely sure that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't there. I am neither an assassin nor the Highlander. I haven't been around that long. It's also not something that's been done to death. No. You're not a hard guy tooled up against lots of marks. Well, no, this is it. You, you... A, a, a dude with a knife yeah. in the Middle Ages. It was... It, it, I mean, exactly. It was something different, wasn't it? It was something completely new, something completely left field from anything anybody had really been doing up to that point. Did did uh, did you guys ever fin- actually finish Assassin's Creed 1? No. Yeah. <laughs> I know so many people that didn't because they got so bored playing it. I think I actually got as far as visiting the third city for the last time and I just turned it off to play something else and then never turned it back on again. So not only did I pick it up by accident, I also didn't finish it by accident. Fair enough. Yeah, I got... I finished it because, yeah, the bits in the middle are boring, but you get rewarded with the assassination missions, which at that point were actually interesting and engaging and needed a bit of planning. How am I going to do this? And each person you killed, you had that moment where they said, but I'm not the villain. You thought I was stockpiling weapons. I'm arming my people. You thought I was keeping food from the poor. I'm making sure if we've got a war on, my people are fed. And you go... Am I the baddie? It does have that that kind of ambiguity about its morality, doesn't it? Very early on as well. It, you know, even it's though so you're, good. You're this you're this ultra cocky douchebag who seems to enjoy killing people, but you some you're still portrayed as the good guy, but you're definitely the bad guy when you talk to the people you're killing. It was really really well done. Cuz none of them are wrong. No. No, they're not, and that that was when you when you get to the end of the game and you figure that out, it blows your mind. You're like, oh, fuck! <laughs> well, and you know. they they brought that back a bit for Syndicate because that's been missing, like for games and games and games. And the SU games and then Black Flag, it's clearly good guys and bad guys. But Syndicate had a bit of, nah, what we're doing is fine. Yep, yeah, it definitely Syndicate definitely brought back a lot of the. Uh, the story-based morality that I liked from the the earlier game or the first game. I think that's because people were too stupid to realise that they would be they weren't supposed to be thinking that much. So they kind of just went, "Oh yeah, good guys versus bad guys," because you have to play as the good guy. I don't I don't necessarily believe that because of the the way the games played out a little bit later on. But I do think that, and I don't think it's because people are stupid. I think it's more because UB once they got once they found their winning formula with number two, just didn't want to change it because 
why change a winning formula? Fair enough. <laughs> I just, I kind of, I, I might be wrong. That's just how I always saw it. I never, the guys that, that make these games can be complete dickheads, but they've always put a lot of effort into things like the lore and, and the storytelling, whether or not it's actually on the screen or you've got to go hunt it out and start reading stuff. I always think it's there. I don't think they, I don't think the people making the game, the people distributing it, for sure, but I don't think the people making the game treat their their customers with an awful lot of contempt, apart from for collectibles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or those, those bloody grab-all-the-feathers-in-two-minutes missions in the first game. Yeah. No, I'll just do an assassination without the information. I am not jumping about, because in the first game, my pals got started on Black Flag. She's gone back to play the earlier ones. Oh, she God, said. I couldn't do that. They, he handles like a cow. <laughs> just run up to a wall and then jump up, run into a wall, run around a wall. It, I, it's uh, not built for dexterity. And like switching weapons in combat, no, not good for that either. I uh, I picked up the first one again. I bought it cheap on Xbox Live because it is on backwards compatibility. And obviously, I mean, this is about six months ago. We knew the film was coming. I was like, I want to play through the, all the games again before I get... I don't have to do all the story. I don't have to do all the side missions. I've played them all. I know the story. I can literally just bang through the story, a few hours per game, and be done. And even that was a fucking slog. It was it was so painful to play to play one. And while the story is phenomenal, gameplay in one after even the difference between one and two, the refinement is something unbelievable. Like I play the first one now, and you can't actually believe that this thing was released as a game. It was fucking ghastly. I similarly, I bought uh, in a Steam summer sale every all of the Assassin's Creed games from one to three uh, for like a fiver, and I started playing one like about three years ago. I think I I did as far as the first um, leap of faith and turned it off because it took me fucking ages to climb back up again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just. I've been spoiled with the the decent free running that's actually not that good in in the more in the newer versions. But I still and the sorry, my go on. The the stealth mechanics are a bit mental. Like when you kill someone and the guards raise the alarm, you just peg it and you run like mad to get out. I did a mission and as I was escaping, I ran in with a bunch of scholars. So for two hundred game distance units, whatever it is, yeah, I had to bow my head and walk super slowly while everyone around yep. is going through hay bales saying, where is he, where is he? This isn't the best way to do a thing, surely. No. And I actually, <laughs> I discovered that a lot of those kind of annoyances came back in a couple of the games. Like, long after I thought they, those kind of mechanics were dead and gone and not there to annoy me anymore, they came back a lot in at least one more game. But we will definitely get to those in a bit. I'd have to say, though, you know, I, Altair is still... Still, my favourite of the assassins. Oh, Altair is a badass. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that one. And I, you know, I'm so chuffed when you get to play as him again a little bit later on because I always wanted more of his story. Yeah, but his missions in Revelations weren't stunning. Oh no, they, they weren't. They were absolute wank. But so was the rest of the game. To be fair. You're, you're playing an old dude. Walk super slowly. Yeah. Towards your next story point. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean moving swiftly on then so that does take us I suppose really nicely into Assassin's Creed 2 and its follow on so I mean what's now been called the Ezio Trilogy 
Through the years, I have watched the city of Rome. I have studied, trained, and killed within its walls. And in time, I have tamed it, shaped it. Nowhere in this city have I met a man equal to myself. A soul willing to kill in the name of destiny. Capable enough to claim what is rightfully his. Cunning enough to stare death in the eye. And charismatic enough to raise an unstoppable army to conquer all of Italia. So, uh, what you, what's your guys' experience of these? Have you, have you played, you like both played all three of them? Yep. Yep, played all three. And what did we think? Loved Brotherhood. Hated Revelations and just dealt with two. After I, I really liked two. I liked two, but then my dissertation is on Florentine, the Florentine Renaissance and the Medici. So I properly geeked it. The first time you were let loose in Florence, I went straight for the Duomo, straight up it. Nice. Climbed it. So was I that, went. Was that uh, long? Like you'd done that before you'd played Assassin's Creed. Yeah, right? I. You didn't do it because you'd played Assassin's Creed. No, no, I'm I'm an old dude. I graduated <laughs> in I graduated in 2005, so it's not that. It old. was a long time afterwards. Um, I thought you, you you turned into a Florentine hipster. No, but when oh, <laughs> when we, my then girlfriend and I, we went to Florence one year. And we went, okay, I'd seen plays in Assassin's Creed. I'd read about them. But to actually go and see, that's, that is actually just like that. That's just like that. Uh, we were staying like two streets away from the Bonfire of the Vanities, I think. You get to see that in the game. We went to the Medici's house. And if you stand in the garden in Assassin's Creed, that is what the garden looks like. You wow. can recognize the, the patterns in the flower beds and the way the paths are laid out. And in the game, I just went around going, this is so cool. Like the, <laughs> the, the Patsy conspiracy. When I realized that's coming up in the game, I go, oh my God, Patsy conspiracy. <laughs> and it's so much. I had that experience because I knew what the thing was. And when I played uh, the first game, I got excited to find out about parts in history, like the Crusades and who does what. Yeah. I can't be the only person who's going, this is going to make me want to find out about other things in history. What actually happened here? And just that little taster people get. Oh, absolutely. About who were these people. Um, because a lot of it is true. There's a bit in the DLC for two where you meet Katarina Sforza. Yep. And she stands on a, a barricade and flashes troops down below. Yep. Because soldiers took her children and said, oh, we're going to kill your kids. And she said, I have the means of making more and lifted her skirt up. Um, these are actual real people that you're playing with in the game. Some of them are presented or misrepresented in some ways, but they're real folk and it's exciting. Yeah, it definitely, and they, they took it a, a step further in, with two and beyond, didn't they? Like with one, there were, def, there were some people that if you research them, they were definitely real. You know, they were definitely there. But with two... Oh, do you not see Richard the Lionheart at the at Oh the yeah, end? yeah, of course. But do you know, I, mean, I don't mean yeah. just like the big characters, but like we're talking with Assassin's Creed 2 and onwards, even the slightly less prominent characters were characters that you possibly will have heard of. And obviously, mm-hmm. obviously everyone's heard of fucking Leonardo da Vinci. And, the Borgias. Yeah, and the Borgias, you know. <laughs> but not everybody's heard of all these weird, strange little people. 
and I can't even name half of them. I can't name any of them off the top of my head from the first one. And I I read up on the first one quite a bit after I'd played it because it's a time a, a period in time that really interests me. But yeah, with the second one, they, they there was a lot of attention to detail with the like you say with the city or cities. It's just one city in in two, wasn't it? No, you went to Florence and Venice and some other smaller maps. You definitely you're, did. Yeah, you're right. Because I, I had every intention of replaying these beforehand as well, and I just because <laughs> they also had like fun little mini games, like some woman's boyfriend is being a, a, a shit boyfriend. Go beat him up. Yep. <laughs> and you run up and do that, and there's races. Yeah, races are no good. But it... well, no, the races sucked. It was a bit like the the first thing you do in Assassin's Creed Two is well, after you're born, which is maybe the fucking weirdest thing I've ever done in a game. That's that was just fucking bizarre. But so you're born, and then you have a fight with a bunch of people, and then you race your brother up a church. No, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I don't want to do any of that. I have to admit, at that point, I was like, I'm not sure I want to play this anymore because I don't want to do this. <laughs> stab myself for the table I, I also think that those ones are the ones that, that they're the hardest games because after Black Flag they've definitely got easier like in 3 you can fight your way out of anything oh absolutely uh, in 2 you had to avoid being seen a lot more and if guards caught you running away is usually the smart thing to do yeah you did at yeah, least the there's option a proper challenge you did at least have the option in two of jumping in the water and swimming away, which you didn't have in number one, because if you touched the water in number one, it killed you. Oh, that fucking pissed me off in one of those missions <laughs> in number one, where you had to cross the fucking harbour. <laughs> oh, I... See, Assassin's Creed games are... the part problem-solving, too. They're like Tomb Raider. Yep. Two, two is the most Tomb Raider game that there was. Like, they basically filled the gap when Tomb Raider was working out what to do. Um... In fact, two's got all the, the churches and the, the catacombs that you uncover and you've got to go around the rafters. Yeah. It's Tomb Raider. And now I'm playing Tomb Raider and going, this is just like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. <laughs> just parkour <laughs> puzzling. Yeah. Yep. I loved those, though, and they always felt satisfying when you got to the end as well. That you'd get a re- you'd, cut, you'd jump out of a window at the end and get yourself a really good view and leap of faith off and have this beautiful drop into a bale of hay because logic. But... I, I really, I love the catacombs and the tombs and the churches and things. I thought they were great. And I kind of miss those in the later games as well. Yeah, there's not much exploration in Syndicate. No, Black- Syndicate's weird. Syndicate, obviously we'll, we'll spend a bit more time on it in a bit, but Syndicate felt more like an Assassin's Creed game than most I'd played in the last couple of years, but at the same time seemed to be lacking a lot of stuff that I really liked. That made it an Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. Um, but did you not miss that bit from Revelations where you had to defend your street? No, I really fucking didn't. No, <laughs> no one did. That was by I, far the worst. So, somehow, and I don't know how they done this, so we went from Assassin's Creed 2, which was kind of like this revelation of gaming from number one, and they refined it all down into near perfection with Brotherhood. They Brotherhood added, is by far the best one. They, absolutely, they added the they added the Brotherhood mechanic, which was a lovely little uh, mini game that you could jump into, and you'd make a fortune with it, and you you know it would help your game, and it felt like you were doing something meaningful. Side missions felt great, the story was outstanding, 
And then they moved on to Revelations, and some asshole somewhere got paid a fortune to go, Tower Defense. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put Tower Defense in our game, because that's absolutely what we need. Everybody loves a bit of Tower Defense. I mean, oh. it's everywhere. It's like on your phone, Flash games in the fucking school library, but Assassin's this, Creed. This is, this is the thing, though. Right? I, I guarantee what happened is Ubisoft went, we need to add something to this game. What's popular at the moment? And someone went, Plants versus Zombies. <laughs> and well, they went, in, we need to do that. And that's where in three, you can play balls against George Washington. Yeah. Because kids love balls. But if we're talking about what's new for Revelations, bomb crafting, is, yeah. it brings in some stealth stuff. It brings in some wanton destruction stuff. And it also brings in creative carnage. Because yeah. what I found out from Two and Brotherhood is if you equip yourself with a like a proper heavy weapon, like a huge sword or an axe, yeah, you can actually throw it. It's if you awesome hold down square, you can throw it at someone. And what Revelation did, you can have an impact, a thing called a, an impact bomb. Where you throw it and it explodes. You can fill one with blood. So if you equip the biggest axe you can find, you go right up to a guard and throw a blood bomb at him. He's covered in blood and shocked. You're covered in blood. You have an axe. And then you just recreate American Psycho. <laughs> you run around the market with your axe. Like it's nice. quite good for creative ways of being incredibly violent. That like you can put a, a, a trip mine on a rooftop. You can see a guard's walking path, put a trip mine on, and then you watch him walk out, walk out, step over it, boom! And you watch from the safety of another rooftop. Yeah. <laughs> three lets you do three lets you do that in the woods and three if you, does let you do that in the woods well, have you had a bear go over a, a trip mine I haven't they properly fly up in the air <laughs> like literally four or five stories because people only go so high bears go so much higher <laughs> because why wouldn't they it, it makes perfect sense <laughs> brilliant Absolutely brilliant. So, I, I mean, I guess you guys all finished two rather than Revelations. Yep. Yep. What did we think to the end of Revelations? What happened in the end of Revelations? Oh, the end of Revelations. He gets old and dies. As Ezio go and find Altair's body. I, I think at that point it had got a little bit in love with itself. Oh, it absolutely had. And I have to admit, uh, with Revelations, and at this point, with we're now four games in. And I do call myself at this point a, a bit of a, a, a super fan. I take time off of work every year at this point, Assassin's Creed. And I, I got halfway through Revelations and I was so pissed at how shit it was. But I, I said, I, okay, so I won't trophy hunt, which is something I used to do. I, I won't ch- chase the side missions. I'll just finish the story, just get to the end, just so I can finish it. And just so I know whether or not I want to carry on playing. But I have to admit, by the time I got to the end... Yes, it definitely disappeared up its own ass, heavily in love with itself. When you find Altair, I was absolutely distraught. <laughs> you know, I, I maybe nobody else had this had this feeling, but I kind of got. It. I was like, oh fuck! Of course, a guy five hundred years later or three hundred years later was going to find you know a dead body. He was never going to find alive and well Altair. But at the same time, I was still really gutted that I had found his body. Like, really kind of distressed about it. What was the game 
that made you kill Lucy? Was that Brotherhood? That was three. Was it? No. No, it was... Um... No, it was Brotherhood, because three is where Desmond dies, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But the that actually, it wasn't a cinematic. It made you do it. Yep. The story would not progress until, until you done. pressed a button. And each time you pressed a button, you watched the knife get closer to her throat. You knew you couldn't stop it, and you knew you, you, knew you had, had to, to be it. the one to murder Lucy Bell. Yeah. And yeah. that was horrible. Yeah, it was chilling, is what it was. But actually, it, I think it adds to the genius that was Brotherhood. And it, it's why Brotherhood is the better game. That and Cesare Borgia. Oh. Because he's a, a proper scenery-chewing villain. Oh, he's, he's a proper bastard. The, there's a bit in it where you you have to climb the Vatican and yeah. he's inside talking to his sister. And I left it for a bit. So while I'm dangling on the wall, he's inside shouting, Where is the apple? Bring me the apple! Give her to me! Where is the apple? And he just does it on a loop. I thought, I'm going to sit here for a bit because it's fun. Like, no other game has had an adversary like him. No. Or even one that you care about. Who's the baddie in Assassin's Creed 3? Yes. Like the, the baddie in 1 appears at the end. Yep. The baddie in 2 is just a lot of people you've got to kill for reasons I forgot by the time I got to the end of it. Yep. But Cesare Borgia is someone who comes right from the start. Um, you get a, a proper boss fight with him at the end. Oh, yeah, in the, uh, every, in the burning every building. Time he, every time he appears on screen, it it's gripping. Oh, yeah, he, he completely chews the scenery up. It's absolutely, whenever he's on the screen, it's it's his screen. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you're doing or who you're playing as, he chews that up. And I have to admit, you know, I, I get the feeling a lot of that is the character, like the, the actual person he was. Have you guys come across the, the Borgias, the TV show? I watched the first four or five episodes and thought, I'm not really feeling this. It's worth sticking with for a bit because he does the well. His character does the exact same thing in that he is the better. Well, him and his dad mainly because his dad is Jeremy Irons. Uh, but Do they get married so they can transfer property because <laughs> that can happen, you know. It can happen. Could a man not want to marry his son? <laughs> what a fucking <laughs> asshole! But yeah, like the character of Cesare in the in the Borgias as well. He's outstanding. Like a really, really interesting character, and you know, it's what. Okay, I admit, ninety-five percent of the reason I stuck with it is because of Assassin's Creed Two and the Ezio trilogy, but it's really worth watching because of that. And Cesare is an absolutely great character in that and in Brotherhood. I think he's great. Did it go to two seasons? Two or three, I can't remember. Yeah. But they're very short seasons. I think it was an FX or a Showtime show. It wasn't for very long. But yeah, I mean, but Revelations, outside of the kind of melancholy ending with with Ezio and Altair, I, and the tower defence, obviously. I don't remember much of it all. The the thing about Revelations, it takes place just in one city, much like Brotherhood did. But if you pop me somewhere in the Brotherhood map without consulting the mini-map, I could work out where I was. Yeah. Because it had a feel. Constantinople yeah. blended in... I couldn't work it unless it was at that big cistern on the left-hand side of the map. I couldn't tell you where I was. <laughs> it didn't have a distinct visual 
it just it had this variety had this copy paste feeling about it that I really didn't like it kind of annoyed me as well because you go back to Masayef at the beginning of Revelations as Ezio and I was like, this is very cool because you know we're back to Altair and, and that my favourite assassin I'm, I'm going back to where Altair is from this is going to be awesome and it's just boring and really kind of crap it's, it was such a disappointment you got to be old man Ezio you did get to be old man and old man Ezio was just as cool as young man Ezio I, I loved old man Ezio same as I loved old man Altair but the game itself and the gameplay more specifically was just it just felt like a pointless rehash and I know how that sounds because we're talking about Assassin's Creed but Brotherhood not Brotherhood Revelations was definitely the worst of that did it still let you do the thing like you know how two introduced thieves and mercenaries and courtesans yep did, were they still in Revelations I can't remember because sure there, there comes the point in all Assassin's Creed games where things go from being far too expensive to just your income goes through the roof and you can afford everything. Yeah. In which point, I always travelled with a pack of courtesans and I always selected money as a weapon and just splayed florins around the street, <laughs> just splatter cash to show I'm the guy, I'm in charge. Because you are literally the, the Renaissance Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, you yeah. owned every shop. So not everything was cheaper because you were the owners. They gave you a discount. And they gave you income because you owned them, and they gave you like an hourly amount. You just had to go back home and collect it. Yeah, and part of what you system. get to part of what you get to do is, or one of the things I did was when you kill someone on a rooftop, you loot them always. Yep. Pick up their body, throw it off the roof on the streets below, and stand on the edge of the roof so people can see yeah. who you are <laughs> and what you've done. <laughs> If you could stand there in a Superman pose, you absolutely would. Just to say, fuck you all, this was me. <laughs> ah, the Ezio trilogy. Lots of creative outlets for violence. Absolutely. I think, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, like the disappointment of Revelations definitely, definitely followed on into 3. Is this... Yeah. You guys- I, I was so disappointed by Revelations that I didn't pick up 3 until about two months before 4 came out. <laughs> I got three when it came out, but the fact it takes you about, what, four hours to become Connor? Yep. And then three hours to become grown-up Connor? Yep. And do actual assassining? Oh. I think the bit, uh, one, what it done wrong was it actually let you be Hathen Kenway. So, because you go for, you're Hathen Kenway for a bit, aren't you? And then you become Connor. Yeah. And I, but yeah, so obviously you then discover that Hatham Kenway is a, a Templar. <gasps> I have to admit, I didn't see it coming. No, me neither. Uh, but then I wasn't really paying attention when... I, was, I, was I tend not to pay attention during the, the story bits, so I went, wait, what? I was what? definitely paying attention. I think the problem I had was I was treating it like the tutorial mission because that's absolutely what it was. It was the it was the tutorial mission to teach you the parkour, to teach you how you know, to kill people and all that kind of shit. How to eavesdrop? How to eavesdrop? eavesdrop. The best new bit. Fuck me. That's yeah. a dreadful dynamic. <laughs> and how to chase fucking sheets of paper around the streets for hours on fucking end. But if you don't do that, you won't get Ben Franklin's guide on why you should sleep with an older woman. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. I think he actually wrote. Yep. 
But it was really fucking is, annoying. Because you, sorry, mate, go on. It's it was at that point that you kind of realised that, that the difference between the Templars and the Assassins really is minimal, because oh, yeah. it, they 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 do the exact same stuff. It's just that for some reason one is good and one is bad. Yet from the other side, they're good and the other one's bad, which is entirely what the first game was about. Yeah, but it's entirely what life's about, though, isn't it? And I think that's that might be the point of it. It depends on your perspective at the time. Because when you're playing as Haytham, you think you're being the good guy and you're doing everything you need to do. There are a couple of hints when you're playing as as Haytham that he's a Templar. Because a couple of times I ooh. I think that was a bit of his ring early on. You're like, oh, hold on a minute. And I don't, maybe it's just me, or maybe it's just something that like people that love the games and play them multiple times pick up and you go, hold on, assassins don't wear rings. <laughs> That's a they Templar don't have thing. fingers to wear rings on. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of... And I, the problem was, when you got to the end, and that was the entire... I think that was the point. The point was that you thought you were playing as a good guy, and you thought you were being the good guy, and it turns out that you are the bad guy. But you're only the bad guy because that's what the game's told you you are. And it's told you you're the bad guy when it decides to tell you that you're the bad guy. Until then, you have no idea. And this is this comes back to the same thing... Uh, Brian was saying about the the missions you do and the people you kill in the first one it's you know the morality in this game is all over the shop and I think that that highlights it really well but the bigger problem that they had was the fact that it let me spend four hours A. enjoying my time with Kenway and then B. taking it away for me to start all over again with whiny bitch Connor (laughs) he's not a charismatic man he's not (laughs) And it, it's it's so disappointing as well, because a, a bit like the Crusades in the first one, his culture, yeah, I'll call it his culture, so the whole the Native American culture, is, is, I find it really, really interesting. And I would have loved to have spent some time digging into that while I was playing the game. I just, by the time I got to a point where it was possible to do that, I didn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to be done with it. And I think, Ubisoft went completely the wrong direction with their alternate reality DLC, which was awful. I didn't bother with that. I th- I played the first part of the tyranny of King George. King George? Yeah. Yeah, King George Washington! Yeah, King George Washington. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and it was just, uh, fuck off. It was awful. And I, I think the problem is that they've spent so long writing games around, around this actual real stuff that when it came to doing an alternate reality version, I don't think they knew what to do with it. It just, I didn't like it. It was rubbish. But it's, again, it's Assassin's Creed. It's one of those, I can't help but want to buy it. I'm the sucker that buys the season pass every year when the damn thing comes out. I'm such an arsehole. I'd done it for Syndicate, and I didn't finish Syndicate until two weeks ago. You know, <laughs> I, bought the, I bought the season pass on release day. I still haven't played the DLC. If Fuck you bought the season sake. pass for Unity, then you got a free game out of Ubisoft. I did. The only, <laughs> the only bit of downloadable content they offered on the season pass was made free. <laughs> uh, what was? I think I got Far Cry three, four. Far Cry four, I got for free. I don't mind that. Far Cry four was all right. That one was the guy with the pink suit on the box. Yeah, I didn't really. I couldn't really be bothered to buy it, and I wasn't going to buy it and play it because it came out more or less the same time as Assassin's Creed, and I wanted to play that. Oh, I've got some fucking stories about Unity when we get there. <laughs> I've got some fucking stories about Unity. I, that game, I've never been so angry. But, so yeah, so Assassin's Creed, 
three revolutionary wars. So we, you know, we skip forward to the seventeen hundreds, which again is a really interesting time. I just got really, really bored, and I didn't enjoy playing as Connor. Apart from Captain Connor, yeah, did you get naval re- uh, battles? Yeah, which is actually tons of fun, and is by probably the best thing about Black Flag. You see, I wasn't a fan of the naval stuff in three. I didn't think it was it, crap. I just it yeah, was difficult. Yeah. It was really difficult because it, was it wasn't there. designed particularly well. No, it wasn't designed very well, and thankfully it was refined very well for four. Because I uh, I remember getting quite worried after three somehow was a, a success, even though it was a bit rubbish. And Ubi said, "Oh, we get then you know everybody seemed to love the the ship stuff, so we're going to base an entire game around that." And I went, "Oh fuck," because <laughs> I really didn't like it. And then you got it and went, actually... And then, and then I got it and went, you know what, they've done a great job with this. Are we talking four now? Uh, well, yeah, so... Well, three... <laughs> three is a nothing, isn't it? Three doesn't add really anything to the plot outside of they kill off Desmond at the end. Uh, Which was we haven't we part. haven't talked about the Desmond and the, the other stuff. The What's the name for Juno and Minerva and that bunch? The ones who came before? The... the, the the, the ones who came before. The ones who came before. Precursors. Yes, thank you. The what, sorry? Precursor. Precursors. I literally just thank got you. to that part in Unity where they mentioned Precursor DNA. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's, oh. <laughs> that's quite a bit of guff. It, um, was, it was a lot of crap, and I I really enjoyed it. Well, no, I didn't really enjoy it. It it was a, a device to move the story forward in one. But in, I thought it worked rather well. In two, it worked well, because you would find a piece of a video and you go, this is a thing, it's people and they're running from stuff. What is it? After that, once you get into it, you go, nah. Yeah. But... I thought that it was kind of cool in, I think, Brotherhood, where you are essentially in the van trying, spending the entirety of Brotherhood trying to find the location and then you end up at that location getting out of the van from the Animus as Desmond which is when you go and kill Lucy, obviously. Yeah, see, all, I thought all of that worked really well. But when you, once, once you killed off, or once Desmond sacrificed himself at the end of 3, you do get that feeling that that should have been it. it you know, we shouldn't have had any more. Because afterwards, because he was Subject 17, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. <clears throat> so wasn't Subject 17 in the one next door? Was he subject 16? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> someone at home is shouting at their iPod. Yeah, this is someone at home's going, it was fucking this. I'm going, sorry. I've not even read the Wikipedia page and I know that. <laughs> but That's it. Desmond. Is there, is there a Desmond entry on the Wikipedia page? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Uh, I'm firing it up though. now. Just Apparently I've already looked at it because it's automatically found the page as I started typing the letter D for Desmond. <laughs> The good news is, is Desmond died in 2012, so everyone's happy about that. Fair enough. It was kind of... Uh, um, it's got, it's got yeah. to be here now somewhere. Assassin's Creed 3 had you going to Brazil to fight someone who was a super bad assassin who had only appeared in the comic books. Okay. They've done a few bits where I should know this, but I don't because I haven't read all the background stuff. Like Daniel Cross, who he just shoulder charge and stab. Oh, yeah. He was a, a Templar traitor. Yeah. In the first Assassin's Creed comics, which are actually decent about 
an assassin in the Russian Revolution. Oh, if yeah. you want to see one of Tsar Nicholas the First, okay. someone's in a part with the bare hands, it's quite good fun. Nice. I might have to look it up. I I just I never read like well, I rarely read Thai and stuff like that. Mainly because it all, it all half of it feels like well it all is, but half of it reads like shitty fan fiction. Yes, and, there is that. Yeah, and you go. I don't. I could. I might not be able to write it better, but at the same time, I don't want to read yours. You know what I mean? I I tend to avoid. I tend to find myself just getting annoyed and bored, so I tend to avoid stuff like that. I've had to go at a few of the the posts by Titan, and they're not great. No. But the the Russian ones are, and there's one called Brahmin about an assassin in India, which is slightly confusingly done. Okay, in what way? It's lots. Of, it's one of these things where everyone's got a counterpart in the past, and it's merging two stories thematically. And I I got bored of what I was meant to be paying attention to. <laughs> Trying to find out more information on why Desmond killed Lucy because I can't. I can't. The yeah, the artifact forced him to do it because he's got precursor DNA, so he can't resist. Is that it? Something like that. Quite a lot of guff. And it is, and that that's that was the thing with it, though, wasn't it? It was just guff. <laughs> it it absolutely was filler because you could remove all of the futuristic stuff. And it wouldn't make that much of a difference. Although bits of it, like the Sean and Rebecca stuff, that's quite fun because you can go around Ezio's villa in two and you find letters and notes and there's one where Rebecca sends Sean a note to say you left your watch. And they're they're sleeping together. Gosh. (laughs) I did like, did you ever go just go around in all the games where you just get to sit and read everybody's emails? Yeah, because it's it's really important in the first one when Warren and Lucy are emailing. Yeah, and in the second one, it tells you a lot about the characters and who you're with. You can also read the codexes because in the Ezio ones are all written by Sean, so you get to hear his character Sean, voiced by voice and face by Danny Wallace. Yeah, because they've had uh, Kirsten Bell. Sorry, it wasn't Lucy Bell. It was Kirsten Bell. Yeah. Um, she does a voice and face of Lucy. Danny Wallace does Sean. John Delancey does, does Desmond's dad. Yep. And I don't know who does Rebecca. No, I don't either. And Nolan North does Desmond, doesn't he? Yeah, Nolan He North. does a voice, but not the face. I think the face of the model. Yeah. You're still reading <laughs> the wiki there, John. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just, I'm, just reading, <laughs> I'm reading amusing quotes now from, from in the wiki, including what Sean says of what is he? Is he the chosen one? Is that it? Little Jimmy special or some bollocks like that? <laughs> There's a thought. Little he, Jimmy Des- special. Desmond was interesting in the first game when he was some barman that they hiked off the street and put in a machine. Yep. When he starts to realize his destiny, you know, this is boring. I've seen this story before. Yeah. And the, the same thing applies though, doesn't it, with, as you go through the Ezio trilogy, is that the gameplay for the futuristic bits gets more and more tedious. I can't remember oh. which one it is. We've got the, the weird first-person platforming thing that looks like oh. Oh. the awful Mirror's Edge slash Portal shit. That just It was fucking terrible. Just terrible. <laughs> and no, that it, wasn't fun. 
it wasn't. And then you skip forward to four, and now Desmond's dead, and you still got a first-person section set in the future, but now you're just a game designer trying to build a game using Desmond's DNA. I mean, fucking hell. I kind of like that they're gone. We have to keep the animus mechanic, yeah. but let's just say you work for Circle, you need to get some intellectual property. Yeah. Go do that. Because in Syndicate, it's even less. It's Syndicate and Unity, it's it's almost non-existent. Is the Unity one so far from what I've played is almost entirely cutscenes. Basically, it's the same thing in Syndicate. I thought Syndicate was just they put you down at the start and said, right, on you go. Yeah, pretty much. How about? But, yeah, cause Unity, you're just... I don't know, you're a guy who's in the Animus, but they've taken over or something? I can't fucking remember. Yeah, they, they mentioned something about server purging and I got bored. Yeah, pretty much. Have you done any of the extra... Well, no, let's, let's do Unity. Let's, let's go when with we get to Unity. <laughs> Have we done Black Flag? Uh, no, we're yeah. just about to start Black Flag, more or less. Right. Black Flag, the best one. So yeah, Pirates the video game. I was kind of disappointed that you had to have a sword. You had to have pistols. I kind of liked having a bit of diversity with weapons, but it must be sword. I did like that your assassin was Welsh. <laughs> Noticeably Welsh. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it went down so well, in fact, that they brought in a proper Irish guy for the <laughs> for the, the spin-off. <laughs> but no, I... I like we said earlier with the the pirate thing, I really wasn't looking forward to playing it. It being you know like seventy percent ship stuff, and I I was really kind of dreading it. But I absolutely loved Black Flag. Yeah, the the ship to ship combat mechanic that was really well done, I think, and it's well testament to the fact that it was one of my stealth games in a previous pod. Yeah, was that uh, I I absolutely adored this game to to an extent where. I wouldn't mind playing it again. I might just download it because I, I I bought it. I've got it digitally, I think. Yeah, it went, well, it went games of gold a couple of months yep. ago. So yeah, talking. I'm sorry, definitely going to pick that back up again. Talking about ship to ship fighting, did anyone else make up their own rules of engagement? In what way? <laughs> Am I just going to be the one that talks about really weird, violent ways of doing things? If you're gonna, <laughs> it does seem that way so far. Yeah, if you're. If your task when you board a ship is to kill 10 people and take the flag, yep. then on a point of honour, you can't use bladed weapons or guns. It has to be fists. <laughs> okay. But it's just ways to make it more interesting by limiting what you're able to do. I, I always... Because with, with four, when you've done the ship-to-ship stuff, you could swing across from one ship to the other, couldn't you? And yep, or you could, you could stay in your own ship... And shoot everybody with the the side guns. Yeah, see, that seemed really cheap and shit. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. Yeah, but it it's helpful. really difficult to do. Yeah, it is really difficult to do. But I, I kind of want to get into it, but I always either ran up the mast and tried to assassinate somebody from my own mast, or swing across and try and kill somebody. And I yeah. failed almost swing every time. Swing across and land and in the sea. combination two, climb your own mast and swing off the top rope and try and assassinate someone. Well, this is the thing. I always kind of swung off and it'll target someone and say assassinate. But by the time I hit assassinate, it basically, it, the guy had moved on 
And all I did and was make you, a really flashy entrance and then start punching <laughs> people. Or a really flashy entrance where you miss the ship and land in the water on the other side. Oh, that happened a couple of times as well. <laughs> I've never and then done you that. look like a complete toolbox climbing up the ship <laughs> on the other side. But by that I, point, you see, all the people that are on the ship with you have done the ten kills that you need to do. I always tried to make a point of if it was to kill the ten enemies and just get the flag off the top, was to kill nine, get yeah. the flag, and then dive off the top, assassinating the, the tenth one. Yep. Same for looting them. Uh, if you got to take the ship and destroy the uh, the gunpowder, yep. Loot everybody first. Yes. Then get the gunpowder. <laughs> Don't or suffer go, in the explosion. Make sure they're dead first. Or go up to the top mast and then uh, hit the the gunman in the top mast with the crazy darts. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Those. You know what? Those crazy darts are amazing they are literally an easy win button if you're in a spot in a tight spot you can't you know you can't figure your way out of did did you do the thing in two with crazy darts and you know there are guards who've got really heavy armor and they have a, a long pole yep if you hit them with a crazy dart then they stagger about and swing the pole around yep if you hit them with a crazy dart so they stagger swing the pole around while you throw money at their feet <laughs> oh my god! I, I did because, do that because peasants are attracted to the money, and they get taken out. Yeah, I've done that on more than one occasion. So this has turned into you throw money, so it's poor people go running at a dude swinging about his long pole. Well, this is just the way of the world. Well, it sounds bad when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually I adored the crazy darts. And I use them all the time in the later games just to, to make things a little bit easier sometimes because holy fuck, some of the things you get thrown into can be a pain in the balls. But no, I I, I have to admit, with 4, I, I really like that suddenly, and it, it never clicked with me either. I suppose it should have done when I started reeling off dates. But it never clicked with me until a little way in that it was actually set before Assassin's Creed 3. So you were playing as Connor's granddad. The whole um, Kenway thing didn't really stick then with you. No, well, I'd completely forgotten. Because Assassin's Creed 3 was so fucking forgettable. Oh. I, to be fair, I didn't really realise too much that Haytham's surname was in fact Kenway, and I'd played it like two months beforehand. So I just knew him as Haytham and uh, Connor's weird dad. Yeah. Assassin's Creed 3 had the boss fight that you didn't realise it was a boss fight because it's when you got to chase... Is it Charles Lee? You got to chase somebody through a burning ship and then you have a really drunk fight with them where you've been hit a lot so the pad doesn't respond. Yep. And then that's it. Yep. And you go, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that final that final mission, because I was, I was a bit of a trophy hunter at the time and you had to get the 100% sync on all the main missions... And that final trophy, including when you the final mission, including when you ran through the the burning ship, you had to do the entire thing without getting any damage at all. Oh man! I wanted to throw my fucking controller through the TV, but you know, an hour into it, it took me an hour and a half of constantly retrying the run from the start of the mission to the end. It was such a ball ache. I'm <laughs> pretty sure you you can get damaged just randomly by running along and something landing near you. Yep. Well. Wasn't the one at the end of two to get percent sync? You've got you have the apple that drains your health anyway. You can discharge it, 
but you aren't allowed to take any damage. Yep. I don't under. There's a way of doing this, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> it was some of the some of the hundred percent sync things on Assassin's Creed were just they they were there just to test your patience. I'm pretty sure there was a hundred percent sync one in one of them that said you're not allowed to stumble, but you're chasing someone down through a crowd. Possibly. I'm pretty. The, I'm oh. pretty sure there was one where you, you're not allowed to touch any. Oh, yeah, you're not allowed to touch other people, and it's like you have to run to a fucking crowd. Yep. <laughs> I might have actually done that one properly. I th- I'm pretty sure. But I that did. wasn't by going back and trying again. Again, that's just sometimes it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the parkour in all the Assassin's Creed games, sometimes it's just okay. Sometimes it does what you want it to do, and then other times it does the exact opposite. <laughs> You spend ages spamming the A button to do the wall dismount, and all he does is climb up. Yep. Yeah, I've done that one a lot. Or attempt to climb up, realize he can't reach anything, but still does the stupid animation of slapping the wall anyway. Yep. High-fiving the wall he can't climb. <laughs> fucking Ezio climbing that fucking tower. <laughs> Before he learns the ability to do the special jump where he pushes himself off the wall with his feet again from yep. the stupid thieves. So then apparently isn't enough for revelations when you get the hook blade and you have to learn that as well. Ah, uh, you this just the hook, and this is the blade. Thanks for that. <laughs> Disappointed the hook blade didn't make a reappearance in uh, Black Flag. Although the rope blade in three, that's just basic cheese. <laughs> oh, there's some yeah. there's someone whose defense can't break, like the the big drummer guys are just hit him with a rope blade, knock him over, and then stab him. <laughs> yep, every time. And see, this is where I become a real sad bastard, because every time I lobbed one of those rope blades at one of them, I'd do my little scorpion impression. Get over here! Get over yeah, here! Exactly. Fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it, it had to be done. It just had to be done. But no, I, I have to admit, Assassin's Creed 4, I really enjoyed it, and it kind of... After shit revelations and pretty lackluster three, I was excited after after four to carry on playing them. But then we had the uh, then we had the year where two came out at the same time, which the good one and the bad one. Wow! Did you guys well, uh, play Rogue? I played about half of Rogue because it's basically it's Black Flag but in the cold instead of in the Caribbean. Oh yeah, it's a giant. It's, it's, it's reskinned. Uh, you're Irish, not Welsh, and yeah. they've put in whispers, which did my head in until I worked out what was happening. Yeah. Like you're walking through town, the corners of the edge go white, or the corners of the screen go white, and then someone runs out and stabs you. Yep. Uh, what? <laughs> and then uh, basically, what they done is they took the really annoying bit from the multiplayer and planted it into this fucking game. <laughs> I never played the multiplayer, so I missed all that stuff. Oh, the multiplayer after, because we haven't really talked about this, have we? Or we haven't talked about it at all. The multiplayer in Assassin's Creed, I adored it. I absolutely loved it. And I liked it for the first couple of weeks, because you always ended up with the people who were pl- pretending it was Call of Duty. So they just spent the entire time sprinting around, and you could always tell who they were. And just go, well, that's the dude I need to assassinate. That's the dude I need to avoid. I'll just wait for them to come to me and do the obvious. But I had a, a group of guys that we used to play regularly, and I just I had so much fun with the multiplayer. And I ended up so 
It was, and let me get this type, the, the thing right. Brotherhood, I think, was the first one with multiplayer. And I got really good at that. And the following year, I went to, do you remember Game Fest? Uh, no. Yeah. No? Yeah? No? No. It basically, it's basically shit Eurogamer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it only had like one year. But they had a whole UB section and they had a whole thing for Assassin's Creed Revelations. And the only thing they were showing off was the multiplayer. And I found myself in a little like, mini tournament thing. I battered everybody. I, you know, I thought I was quite good at it. I had no idea how good I actually was until I wiped the floor with like every gamer in Birmingham. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the whispers in Rogue. Basically, it was just that. It was the the whisper mechanic. It comes from the multiplayer, and I think it was good. I quite liked it in there. Although a couple of times it really annoyed me when you had to chase people, and there were bastards hiding in every bush that you had to run past. That or you're walking that. along to do a thing and then to no I've yes. got to stop find this person kill them and then get on with my life yeah because I I, so I don't know about you but I found it in from Brotherhood onwards the map is far too busy like I'll be walking along to a big objective and go oh that's just near to I can just pop by and yeah and I get sidetracked super easily yeah, I do. I do. I have to admit, I didn't in the more recent games, mainly because I think I've I've become immune to Ubisoft just map spam because that's all it is. There's never anything worthwhile anymore on a Ubisoft map except for the story missions, and even they can be debatable. But yeah, the the map from from Brotherhood onwards they got got so busy, and you couldn't take three steps about something new appearing on your your mini-map, so you had to pop over and have a look at it. And it would turn, you know, a, a 15, 20-hour game into a 40 or 50-hour game just because you wanted to clear the shit off the map. Well, even when you're sailing, it's yeah. like, oh, there's some uh, jets and I'll just go get that. Oh, there's a boat. I can, I can go fight them. Yep. And you're miles off course. <laughs> but while I'm here, there's a fort. I can go take that out. Yep. Yeah, they're I, masters I have, of officially padding out their games. But at least with Rogue, the thing I found with Rogue, actually, that I like more than anything else is you finally got to play, obviously you had to hate them, but you finally got to play a whole game as a Templar, which I really liked, just because I wanted to. It made absolutely no difference to the game or the gameplay whatsoever, but I got to play as a Templar. See, I only played the first half or something of it, so I, and I have no idea what the story was. It was. I mean, um, it wasn't anything I, special, but but what I did, the one the one thing I did because uh, I had a PS3 and a PS4 at the time, so I bought both Rogue and Unity, so I could play both. And I kind of went, well, I'm going to do Rogue first for no other reason because actually, it ca- Rogue came out after Unity. They came out two weeks after Unity did, and for no other reason than the fact that I just happened to know that Rogue was. I really want to say the Hundred Years' War. I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. I must be wrong. But that, whatever, it led into the French Revolution, which was unity. So I said, I'll wait for Rogue, and I'll sit and play Rogue. And there's no real crossover between the two, apart from the last five minutes of the game. And the last five minutes of Rogue is actually the opening five minutes of unity, just from a different perspective. Mm. 
Uh, I think the Seven Years' War is seven the name you're looking thank for. Thank you. I'm very I, tired. Considering I just played Unity, I can't really remember the opening to Unity. So the opening, the opening to Unity, Unity is you're a little kid in a palace. There. Oh yes. So the end of Rogue is you're actually the Templar in that palace, and you go and kill the kid's dad. Yeah. And you have okay. no idea about that until you go and play Unity, and you're like, and even like when you're like, oh, this is where Rogue is, and it took like five minutes for me to click, and I went, oh shit, I know exactly what's coming, and. This is, it was impressively done. I have to say, even for, you know, Assassin's Creed, which by this point have just become this running joke of a game. I I really liked Rogue. It was short. I mean, I think I platinumed Rogue in about six hours. There was absolutely nothing to it. Uh, and I went straight into Unity. And sadly, after that first opening, you know, 15, 20 minutes, I, it, it all went downhill. Very quickly. Why? Well, What's wrong with it? Well, Unity did. Uh, uh, say, so John's only played like three memories. You didn't play any of Unity, Brian. I played a good twenty-five minutes of it, and then I thought, ah, fair enough. It's there are a couple of things about Unity that I really don't like. The first one is the main character. I think he's an arsehole. I think they've tried very hard to copy. Ezio in his cockiness but what they haven't done is give him any kind of charisma or character because he's not Italian isn't it it's not even that it (laughs) it doesn't help that he's French (laughs) anyways (laughs) but no it's not that at all it's just he's got no we'll get letters for that Uh, yeah probably (laughs) I might have to bleep it out or something just cut it I didn't say it at all that's alright you can abuse the French all you want (laughs) But I was like, are we the are we the grand tour to fail critics top gear now? Maybe. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Shotgun beam James May. Who likes ice cream? Anyways. Uh but yeah, so the main character I just I couldn't I couldn't stand playing as him. I couldn't stand listening to him talk. I just I thought he was a mouthy twat and I just wanted to punch him in the face every time he talked. But a a bit like the first one where after a little while you got really bored with the gameplay but I wanted to carry on because of the time period. I really quite like the French Revolution as a time in history. I think it's really interesting and it's literally the only reason I carried on with Unity. But to make matters worse, Unity was actually, in my opinion, quite fundamentally broken on release. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, this is it's now the ongoing story, isn't it? It was so broken, in fact, that people that spent extra money on the season pass were given a free, you know, £45 game from Ubisoft to make up for the fact that they'd spent all this money on the game. Because it was just a broken mess. See, the only glitchy time I've had with Assassin's Creed has been in 3 where I was wandering in a harbour and then I fell through it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's generally not been too bad for me. No. But I, from what I've seen of Unity, it's it's I, a nonsense. I've never had a uh, a bad time as a rule with the technical aspect of of the Assassin's Creed games. Okay, so you know the parkour can be a bit ratty. But it's as ratty as it's designed to be. Yeah. It's not like it's gone wrong. No. But 
Unity, I would regularly fall through the map. I there is a specific a specific point where you could try to jump into a a skylight, and instead of actually jumping in, your character would hold on to an imaginary beam that was over that skylight, and then never let go. You literally couldn't get him off. And this was something I could recreate time and time again. It was something because I was on the QA team for for Unity, and I reported it when it came when it, we got the game to play. And it was still there after the QA testers had reported it. Everyone had reported it. It was terrible. We could all do it. But it was still there. And it was still there six months after the game came out. It just never got fixed. I I genuinely believe that, that Ubisoft, because it was their nice, shiny new engine, I think Anvil Next, I think it was called. And I genuinely believe that Unity was just like their test bed for, for that engine and for, for the new consoles because it was the first current gen assassin's creed and it was it just felt like it was put out there to die you know we'll get we'll find all the reports you know the missing faces that famously appeared or didn't yeah. appear as the case That's may be a little bit of nightmare fuel yeah the, <laughs> it's just eyes and teeth it is just eyes nothing and teeth. else it's absolutely terrifying but it just it always had this feeling of they used it as a test bed and that was it it, it, they did fix a lot of the problems uh, and I went back to Unity a few months after the last big patch and it did play much better but it just it felt like complete it, it felt like half a game and you want to talk about a busy map so this game was the first one to have Helix credits and these were the this was the in-game currency that you could earn by doing things or more importantly you could buy for real-world cash. Yeah, microtransactions. Now, I don't think this is a thing anymore, but there were two things you needed to do with Unity. Now, at least one of them was definitely taken out, and it was you had to sync your game up to the tablet and phone app so you could open certain chests. Certain chests would not open unless you told it to on the app while you were playing, which was utter bullshit. Just the worst idea ever and I, I'm pretty sure they took that out but the other one was you know remember in like the the Ezio trilogy where using your in-game cash you could buy maps to show the secret stuff yeah show where the chests were and all that lot you could do the same with your helix credits in unity the problem was when you did you could no longer see the map like there was that many collectibles there was like 800 chests and yeah, you've just got to filter them all. Yeah. Because you, it starts being useful. If you left everything as is on the map, you literally couldn't see the map underneath all these icons. It was the worst example I've seen so far of, of you being their map spam. It was just awful. It, I really wanted Unity to be good, and it had a couple of good ideas, especially with the, uh, the time jumping sections. So at one point, you know, you time jumped to. You know, you're in the middle of World War Two or World War One, World War One, I think. You know, you're climbing up the Eiffel Tower. You know, taking out airplanes that are dive bombing Paris. It's amazing because all of a sudden, you know, you're this, you're this guy from the French Revolution, and now you're you're shooting down airplanes. Yes, please. You know, a couple of little glitches like that. That was a lot of fun, but it didn't make up for the very, very badly put together game. What was Paris like? Paris Did it was, feel like Paris? 
it did a little bit. Uh, it felt like so you know how you said that with uh, with two you could walk around and you you could recognise places. Everything felt a bit. Everything felt unique. It it felt like the guys had gone around and three D mapped the actual place and then put it into their game. Unity kind of had that on the landmarks, and that was it. Everything else just looked like a row of masonettes attached to famous buildings. It wasn't bad by any stretch, uh, and it did feel kind of like Paris, but again, it felt like a bit of a half measure, which feels almost unfair to say, because there was definitely some effort put in, but not as much as there should have been. (laughs) Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same. I mean, I remember running around a bit, running across a bridge, and then realising I wanted to be on the other side of the river, running across a different bridge without realising it was a different bridge until I got to the other side and was like, hang on, this isn't the same street I was running down. It looks similar, yeah. but it's not the same. It's, and then I ended up getting lost in the map and eventually found myself in Notre Dame. It feels a lot like there are a lot of times when, and the bridges are a classic example, a lot of the time it feels like they've been put together in a, in a third-party map editor. Like just literally, the guys just plonked a bridge here, plonk bridge here. That's what a bridge looks like. Exactly, that's what it feels like. But it's not bad. It's just another slight downside to a game that just felt, but so average, rushed. Yeah, or or half-assed. All of those. It just it, it felt like I said. It felt like a complete half measure. We just need to get something out. Because it's the first, you know, it's the first rele- uh, Christmas release window for this generation. We need to get something on there. You know, it just it felt so so pointless, and it nearly, very nearly, put me off buying any more. And I mean, a, a bit like uh, we said this when we were doing the Call of Duty episode. You got to the end of everyone and went, "Oh, for fuck's sake, is that it? I'm not buying any more." And yet, buy it anyway. This was the first time. I really got to that point with Assassin's Creed and I went, I just, I cannot be arsed with this anymore. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help. At some point around this, this time as well, we had Watch Dogs, which was basically modern Assassin's day Assassin's Creed. Creed. <laughs> you know, and and UB by this point had realised that, or well, long before this point, had realised that this kind of formula was working. So all of their games done that. All of their games was you know, towers and, you know, radio towers and collectibles. Synchronization points. Yep. Everywhere, in every game. In the crew, for fuck's sake. And that was yep. a driving game. <laughs> you know, it it just, it felt like just another Yubi game. Just another broken, boring Yubi game. And I didn't want to play anymore. And the only thing that made me go back to it the next year was that it was set in a, a, a time that I'd been dying for them to do since the second I finished number one. Is it time to talk about Syndicate? Yeah, I think it's time to talk about Syndicate. Hooray! <laughs> you haven't played any Syndicate yet, have you, John? No, I haven't. I've got it. It's sitting in my disc tray. Fair enough. But what did you think to, to Syndicate, Brian? I loved it for a whole bunch of reasons. Reason number one, I was wandering one day, just going around London, and I looked up and went, that looks like St Pancras yep. and I checked the map and went I'm outside King's Cross Station that is St Pancras <laughs> you don't I didn't need the map to navigate for bits of it because St Paul's is there Lesquare's there Lesquare's there yep. I'm good 
it feels like London. And not even that, oh, I've seen that place before. It feels like a city that people live in. Yeah. I had a walk around and I walked into a cricket match in the park. Yeah. I was standing by the street listening to a woman selling vanilla ice cream. <laughs> have you heard her? I have. Oh, it's it's so good. It's It's got people in it. And it's... While other games have gone big and high and might and fluting, because you're in the Industrial Revolution, that's a time where small people are important. Yeah. And it puts a bit of social conscience on the game. You're helping urchins. And yes, you get to pal about with Karl Marx, who's got quite difficult missions, and Darwin and Dickens. But you're in an actual city that you can believe works. Like, if you weren't there, the city would work without you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, like some things, cities and games you feel, if you go around the side, it's just a big uh, cardboard facade and there's nothing behind the back of it. This London feels real. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting. I, I must have been today or yesterday that I, I heard this and I'm absolutely going to steal it. Jim Sterling. Do you guys watch Jim Sterling stuff? Sometimes, no. not always. <clears throat> so he'd done a video about like big sprawling open worlds and how it's how it's mostly pointless because. Lit, you know the story cannot go on until you you decide to continue it. Whereas like a linear game, you have no choice; you just do. But the thing with with Syndicates London is you kind of feel like you have to carry on with the story because it feels like the city is moving on without you. If you don't, it feels like the city is actually a living, breathing city. It doesn't feel like you're in a game world. It feels like you're walking around in Industrial Revolution London. It, I adore the city in Syndicate, and it's such an interesting time as well. And I, it, 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 I was so glad that they put effort into this. Syndicate is outstanding. It's it's beautiful. You, the the playbills and the posters and the, the buildings and the buses. If you gave the game to someone who's not a gamer and said two hours, this is London. Have a wonder. They'd be delighted with it. Yep. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you, especially, I think if it's someone that that knows knows London, doesn't necessarily need to know what London looked like then. Like you say, you find yourself outside King's Cross Station and go, "This is King's Cross Station." Holy shit! <laughs> you know, uh, there, there were just walking around the Houses of Parliament, inside, outside, climbing around the rooftops. It all looks so. It, it looks like the Houses of Parliament. It looks so real. Again, a bit like with the the Italian stuff. It feels like someone's actually 3D modelled London. And it looks beautiful. Have you played The Order 1886? I have. You mean the <laughs> PS4 well, tech demo of the game? It's, it's <laughs> a tech demo that wants to be a movie that was forced to be a game. Yeah. That wasn't a real London. No. Because everything's locked off. It It looks beautiful. But you know, it just looks beautiful. There's nothing to it. It's got no um, substance. The first thing I did when I got, when I was allowed to do things in Syndicate was beeline for St. Paul's and straight up. Yeah. And then you get to go to, I'm in Trafalgar Square. So, of course, there's a national port, the National Gallery. I <laughs> went to the Tate, but the Tate wasn't there, which surprised no. me because I thought that would have been built by then. Yeah, I thought, I kind of thought the same. I'll admit, I, I, I just kind of went, oh, okay, maybe I'm wrong, and carried on going. <laughs> but um, 
but yeah, no, yeah. sorry, go it's, on. it's exciting and it's it's fun. Like you, you don't even need a game to do it. Just spend some time in London. Yeah, you know, getting on buggies, still on the back of the buses, going into pubs. I've heard a bit that there's some pubs have got football matches played outside them. I've missed that one though. I have you seen it? I haven't seen that. No, yeah. no. It, I tell you what, it done though uh, as a game as well. It cleared. Oh shit! I didn't say I didn't say any of this when we were talking about Unity. It cleared a lot of the shit that really bugged me with Unity as a game. And, you know, forgetting the broken game, the actual mechanics of Unity. They tried to turn it into an RPG. Uh, you will be well into the point where it, it becomes a real pain in the ass now, John, in Unity, where your eagle vision has a uh, cool off time. Yeah. <laughs> What? Exactly. Mate, it is the most frustrating thing to get, what What do we say, nine games? So now we're at game number eight. I played seven games before it where this has not been a thing. Your eagle vision only lasts a certain amount of time. You have to upgrade it, and even when you upgrade it, it still doesn't last that long, and it has a fucking cool-off. It is... At- that that said, um, I don't... I'm playing Tomb Raider just now, and survival instincts, which only work when you're standing still, yep. I prefer to Eagle Vision because Eagle Vision's getting towards that Batman thing of I'll just play it in all orange and yeah, it's easier. It's, it's definitely got that detective mode feel to it and I like that the second you start running it goes off. I don't mind that it's on where you're walking because a lot of the time you have to walk around areas and find your targets and, and that's fine. Oh, the other thing Unity done that Syndicate fixed and this all depends on how you play but what I like to do with with three and with Black Flag was if there was a kill that was a bit of a pain in the ass, you you hang around on a rooftop and dart them, or you dart someone else, crazy yep. dart someone, and let them go and kill your mark for you. <laughs> because it's beautiful when that happens. You can't do that with Unity. Unity has a rule built into it that you have to be the guy. You have to walk up. The final strike has to be from your hidden blade, or it doesn't count. I wondered what that weird message said at the bottom when I was walking through the uh, cathedral in Notre Dame. Because I walked into an area and it came up with a thing saying that you need to for the assassination to count. And then another message popped up over the top of it. And I was like, uh, what was that other message saying? Yeah, that was help. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what the doctor will say. Although his throat has been slashed, it wasn't with a hidden blade. So come on, chat up you get. You'll be fine. It just, <laughs> Unity just tried so much stuff that failed so miserably. And yeah, the, the RPG elements where you have to upgrade your your stuff as you go on in the game was such a pain in the balls. It just didn't work. And Syndicate got rid of all of that, which I was so thankful not, for. The, not all that. It, you do get upgrades, but they're... But the upgrade system... Super in, linear. Yeah, the upgrade system in Syndicate doesn't feel like a half-assed RPG. No, it's just here are bonuses, because there's no yeah. choice to it. No, you just do it. And the only... You know, you don't need to do any of it. And to be honest, the only reason I did do it all was because achievements popped when I did. I kind of wish you could un-get uh, um, upgrades because the one there's one where you can just kill someone with one go. Yeah, which means instead of having fights in the street, you walk up someone and go stab, stab, stab. Yep, and that's not combat. No, no, it's not. And like, it makes some things much easier. Uh, my only one with Syndicate was it does get very stupid when. One of Evie's upgrades is a cloak of invisibility. 
what is this fucking Harry Potter now? Exactly. And <laughs> I, I, I clicked on the thing, I went, that, that can't be as simple as it sounds. And yes, it is. As long as you're in stealth mode and you're not moving, you are invisible. And you literally go see-through. You People can't see you. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> but it, it also works. If you're on a barge in the middle of the Thames, in the middle of the day, you're still invisible. Yep. Like, it would make sense if they had shadows, like Thief, and if you are in the corner of a warehouse, not moving, invisible. Yep. But not sitting on the top of a barge in the middle of the Thames, in stealth mode, where'd you go? And it doesn't take that long from you to stop, from you stopping moving, from you going to you going invisible, is quite quick. So actually, if you feel the need, you can sit up on a ledge and just knife people, yes, throw throwing knives at people from the ledge. And within the second of actually doing it, you're invisible again. So no one can see you, even though you've alerted the entire area. Like Ultra Batman. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a bit of a cheat. It does feel very cheap when you realise just how overpowered this fucking cloak is. But it doesn't take away from the game at all. Are we going to mention that we've got two assassins Evie and Jacob well this uh, I think this is what actually made the game more interesting was you do get two playable characters his twin brother and sister I thought they were great because he was it, just a cocky dickhead and she he was he is an idiot oh he's an arsehole isn't he he's a fucking mong but uh, what we should do we should start a gang yeah. take all of London yeah. Jacob there's other ways to do it a gang yeah. All of London. <laughs> He's what, 13 going on 30. Yep. He is just such... But he's got that that cocky thing that Ezio had that I actually like him more. He's still a complete bellend. But actually, when he talks, I don't want to punch him in the face. I just laugh. I think he's actually really well written. See, I just like playing as Evie because... I quite like being the not fighty character and still doing the fighting anyway. Like all the fighting rings, yep. I made sure I finished them as easy. Okay. Just because I think it's fun to be this woman in her vest with her knuckles taped up, <laughs> mashing up giant Just these boxers with huge sideburns. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that it let you do that. That I didn't say, oh no, this is, this is a man mission. The only ones that are Evie missions or Jacob missions are ones that are central to the story. Yeah, and they because you have like two parallel stories per memory, don't you? So what Evie's yep. doing and what Jacob's doing, and you have to kind of play. You can't play a Jacob mission as Evie and vice versa. But, but you can play else, a Mark's mission or a yeah, um, absolutely everything else you can do as whichever character you fancy. And do you have that, to play both missions in order to finish the memory? Yes, yes. that's all right. Then I was expecting you to say like something along the lines of. You have to do so far of one, move on to the other one, and then choose which one you're going to finish. No, it does have a weird mechanic, though. I accidentally ended up four uh, sequences ahead of where I wanted to be. All right. You get, like, a hideout, which is on a train. It's like it's where your vault is. It's basically Syndicate's uh, Monteregioni. Cool. It's a, yeah, it's a cool little train. It goes around, goes around the city, and you can jump off, and you, you fast travel to it and all that. It's lovely. But it's got... On- on the train it took me ages to work out you could fast travel to the train you didn't have to actually <laughs> run and catch the train <laughs> took a few days before I found that one out 
found that your playtime's like 45 hours because you spent 40 of them chasing a train around London. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. <laughs> but yeah, you have this assassination wall on the train and you can select what target you're going to go for. And I didn't realise it yet. I, I started... I was just it wouldn't let me do that. I, I ended up... Because I thought I was nearly finished. I, I, I'll be honest, I left Syndicate for about a year. I got about halfway through and I had genuinely burnt out I think the game wasn't bad I was really enjoying it but I think I just burnt out on Assassin's Creed and I just couldn't be bothered I started playing something else and then played something else and then something else and then ended up just uninstalling Syndicate and not putting it back on so I went back to it three weeks ago a completely convoluted story as to why another podcast I listened to is kind of going, I need to, he's saying like, he needs to clear all the games he's got instead of buying new ones. So I kind of went, yeah, I need to kind of do that as well. Also, as an Assassin's Creed film coming, I really should at least finish the game that I spent 70 quid buying the gold edition of before I go see the film. So I reinstalled Syndicate and cracked on. It turned out that what I'd done, I'd selected to kill somebody two memories ahead of where I was. Because I thought I'd nearly finished when I went to I went to do the assassination mission for sequence eight, but just happened to jump back onto the train and ha- and have a look around and realise actually I was on sequence five and needed to maybe finish all those first. So for like four hours off of gameplay, there was this final boss mission waiting for me to get to because I refused to touch it because I was four missions ahead. But yeah, it's there is a lot of lot of uh, choice, I suppose. You, you you can decide which kind, you know, which order you do things or which order you play the story. I can't imagine it working out very well if you actually were paying attention to the story because a lot of it's. I, I didn't think I had the option to do that because I, a lot depend on each other. Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't realize it let me do it. <laughs> I think something's gone wrong there because I could only have the option between the memory I was on and the or, previous ones. No, or going back out the wall, okay, and do something else in the train. No, I I don't know why it let me select the mission. It let me carry it on. I don't think it's been patched out. If it was a problem, I I do not know. I can't. I'd need to wipe my save and start again. I can't be asked for that because while I did really enjoy Syndicate and I really liked how it ended, I'm not playing that again. It's so long. <laughs> oh, I sure had another thing about Syndicate. Oh, the the Dickens missions. Did you play them? I played one. I think the one when you first meet Dickens. About Springheel Jack. Yeah. Really good. They're, they're very short little ghost stories. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really quite enjoyed it. Uh, my brother, who's a big Assassin's Creed fan, he said that the Jack the Ripper DLC plays out in a very similar manner. So I'm quite looking forward to getting through and doing all of those. I've left it, even though I'm playing other things, I've left it on my, my Xbox to play. I will definitely go back and do a lot of the side missions because now I have access to Queen Victoria missions. I want to give them a go and see what that means. They're pretty quick. <laughs> um, but the the Dickens missions are good. I'm doing the Gruesome Crime or the Dreadful Crimes missions just now. Oh, yeah. Which are strange because you have to go to a crime scene and talk to people and get clues. It's basically... A, <laughs> Look around at everything, find a thing, look at a thing. When you've got the fullest of things, you can accuse someone of a crime. But they're nice little stories, and you get to do some thinking. Go, hmm. It's a different 
way of doing things. I quite like the syndicate's got lots of things you can do. Yeah. Oh yeah, the everything, even like the the, the takeover side missions didn't feel crap or cut and paste. Well, they were a bit copy and paste, but they didn't necessarily yeah. feel it when you were playing. You know, well, like there, there's a stealthy one, there's a fighty one, there's a racy one. Yeah. There's, there's enough variety, and you can go around the map and say, "I'm going to free all the orphans from the workshops and do that." Yeah. And if you're good for yourself, or I'm going to nick all the stuff from trains. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it it felt like uh, it felt like a lot of effort had been put into this, and then obviously because they, they've said that they're they're going to take a, a couple of well, they said some time off, and Assassin's Creed will return when it's ready. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing for the franchise or not. But I could I really really hope we get more Syndicate. I I, I think we'll get a better game than if they just gone through the it's twenty seventeen. Let's turn another one out. Because that's why things like Unity and Rogue were not as good. Yeah. Because they're just on the big release treadmill. Yeah. Did you do the World War One level? I missed the World Syndicate. War One level in Syndicate. Oh, it's it's very small. It's just around Terror Bridge. Oh, How do okay. you miss it's, a level? Hmm? How do you miss it? <laughs> Have you seen how yeah. busy those maps get? It's pretty easy to uh, miss stuff. I suppose. But yeah, you are a... You're another fry. You must be somebody's daughter or granddaughter. Okay. And you, Winston Churchill gives you missions from his base in Terrorbridge. You have to go and, you know, root out spy nests. And, oh, you get to, you get to find documents. And they're all letters from men who are either at war or going to war. Okay. At the end of it, it always says... Private Richard Jones died two days later, or something. Fucking hell! And yeah, it's, it's a bit harsh. But it's it's reminding you that this is things that happen, people. This is real. You are in actual wartime London. There's, I I teach First World War to fourteen year olds. Yeah. The posters I have on my wall, I walk past in Assassin's Creed. Wow. And go, that's it. That, that's the stuff. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's doing really well at bringing out my my history geek, which nice. is, doesn't need a lot to come to surface. <laughs> and my pal, who's not a history geek, she's a Spanish geek. Um, she played the World War One mission and went, <gasps> "This is fun!" Just running around. Um, God, what's the what's the big prison next to Tower Bridge called? Next to Tower Bridge. Yeah, the big fort. No, you've lost me, mate. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, she's just running around and going, this, this is fun. And you can do stealthy stuff, you can do bloodthirsty stuff, you can do it without killing people. I, Someone told me that stealth games have got two modes. Either no bodies for the guards to find, or no guards to find the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to do the second one. Yeah, I tend to as well. Well, I tend, no, I like, I tend to in Assassin's Creed games. Yes, because you can, and it yeah. doesn't punish you for it. No, no, not at all. It doesn't doesn't have that thing where you lose points or you lose access to something or anything like that if you decide to just remove everybody from the area. And what it does do is it means that you can just leave when you're done. You haven't got to fight 40 people after you've done the deed. Even if you've done it in silent, in the dark corner that no one saw, you're still going to end up in a fight unless you've killed everybody first. Yeah, the notoriety thing is kind of... An odd introduction from two, 
that kind of both works and doesn't work at the same time. I quite liked it. Partly because you get to talk to someone to say, tell him I'm not that bad a guy. <laughs> yeah. And he says, actually, this auditory is misunderstood. <laughs> yep. Those uh... men cut themselves while shaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got the, the 20 um, florins just to give away so that he does do that. Because you are the pimp of uh, Ezio. Again, it's one rule for the rich and one rule for everybody else. Yep. yep. Just throw money at the floor and let the guy with the pike do the rest of the work. <laughs> so did you want to say anything else about Syndicate then, mate? Uh, I think the only thing we can mention is that, yes, it's got twins, it's got a woman character in it, which is a thing that Unity couldn't do because women are too hard to animate. Yeah, that, that was... I think someone... Was it, was it Unity that, that had that excuse or was it... Three. No, it was Unity, because Unity was the one that said, hey, you can have a squad, a squad of four stubbly white dudes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. So someone at Unity head off, uh, at Ubisoft head office will go on to developers and said, I don't care what you do or how it happens, we have to have a woman in this. But the ridiculousness And it has is, to be good. Yeah, the ridiculousness of it is in Unity, the, one of the secondary characters is a woman, and she's one of the best characters in the game. The uh, the daughter of the guy that adopts you or whatever. Oh she, yeah, Arno's lover. Uh, yeah. She is very cool, and she turns into one of the best characters in the game, and she's really interesting to play against later on in the game. It, she's so much fun, and it's a real shame that they managed to do that and throw out that shit excuse at the same time. But it was really good actually that they brought because Evie Fry was excuse me was animated very well. She was fun to play. She didn't feel crowbarred in, which was the important bit. You know, she she didn't feel like she was there just because she had to be, or because Yubi had to tick a box. It felt like she they'd put effort into fleshing out her character. She was loads of fun to play as. And although the kind of setup that Jacob is the fighty one and Evie's the stealthy one, you can you don't need to change how you play no. when you're Evie. No, um, not it's it's not like the old the old Streets of Rage style, where Max is the hard one and Blaze is the weak <laughs> one, but quick. Yeah. If they'd done that, that would have been nonsense. But they're they're basically just reskinned. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I, I I really like her character as well. The uh, she's the voice of reason over the pig-headed fucking Jacob. <laughs> and he is pig-headed. It's the best word for him. I've, I've done a great thing. I've managed to deliver all of London's buses to our enemy. <laughs> well done, Jacob. Think with your brain first. Yep. I, cre- I created a gang. Look at my cool gang. How cool is my gang? Fuck off. Cool <laughs> well, the, the gang stuff is actually quite cool. Uh, I, I would Never do a thing where... To. Oh, I, I did, because you go... You could... You can find another woman in the gang, and I'd only go around, if I was Evie, I'd only get, like, women, and all doing it, and have, like, a, a girl's night out, call a cab, get in, drive to another part of London that I don't control, and then start a fight. <laughs> awesome. While that Here Comes the Girls song plays. <laughs> I'd do the same with Jacob. Black night out. Hmm. It also had the weirdest mission. I think I've played in Assassin's Creed, which is where you have to score... Is it the Prime Minister's wife and her dog out to slums so she can look at poor people? Yep. 
<laughs> that is, yeah, that was really weird and kind of weirdly uncomfortable as well. Because she's li- awesome. She's literally going look at the poor people. It, it's, it's poverty tourism <laughs> with this with her bit of rough on her arm. Yeah, it's so strange. And this is a game up where if you finish the, the spy missions in World War One, the sky disappears and Juno comes in to tell you something. But the poverty porn is even weirder. <laughs> oh, see, I might have to go back and do that now. I can't wait to play uh, Syndicate now. It's fucking amazing. It, it is. It's possibly peak Assassin's Creed because it's got... Like Crawford's Derek doesn't appear much, but he is a good baddie. Oh, he's a great baddie. And guy. it's also, like we said at the start, everyone you kill, you think, should I have done that? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely got that. Uh, it, it plays with your morality as much as the earlier ones did. And it's something that the, like the middle games very much forgot. Syndicate brings that back very well. I, I adored Syndicate. By the time I got to the end, I literally, I was really. I can't believe I left it this long to finish it. That was really good. The final boss fight went on a bit fucking long. Oh, mm. <laughs> I mean, they always do. Like the, when you when you have to, to kill Rodrigo Borgia, that took forever. But this one just felt so long and drawn. Wait, isn't that isn't Rodrigo at the end of two? Yes. I thought you'd just jump off the the rafters and stab him. No, you have a fight with him in that little round thing in the Vatican because he's got the the apple on his staff isn't he or am I thinking about something else I it, one of us is wrong it's possibly me I just I, no, I just remember that you're a, a different map and you you crawled across the uh, you could either blend through the big crowd of cardinals or you could clamber across the rafters and jump down I don't think there's a lot of Stabbing? That didn't. That bit didn't stick into my mind. The fact that the omission was kill the Pope. Well, that yeah. stuck with me. <laughs> that says next mission: kill the Pope. Because mission number one: race your brother. Mission number the last one: kill the Pope. Yep. It's an escalation. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 final fight against Staric in in Syndicate just it seemed to just drag, and I think, I think the missus was sat watching me play, and I'm. By the third or fourth time you switch characters to do the, 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 the thing, I said, like, oh, come on. Just just get on with it. Either make it so that I lose and I can go and do something else or just fucking die so I can go and do something else. Don't leave me in this fight. It's taking forever. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that one. <laughs> right, have we exhausted Twin Dicket? I, th- I think we have exhausted Twin Dicket and that just leaves us with the movie. The mo- I mean, I don't think I should. anybody should be surprised that we eventually got an Assassin's Creed movie. But have we all seen the Assassin's Creed movie? Yes. Yep. What did we think? I went in with pretty low expectations on the grounds that the trailers had been mainly modern stuff. Yep. And they'd, they'd taken the thing that is the least interesting, like the animus and how it works, the mechanics of the game. Yeah. And so is this going to be the point of the film? I was surprised. It, was, it Some parts were awful, some parts were all right, some parts were quite good. 
It was all right. I I expected it at best to be entertaining nonsense, like something like Equilibrium. Yeah. Like you watch it, you pay attention through the exciting bits, you switch off doing the other bits. Pretty much. Bits in between. Yeah, bits of it were all right. I went in with low expectations, as you did, and I left confused in places. Because Fastbender had his shirt off. Yeah. That that, that was nothing new for me. That that I, for the the reason that he took his shirt off and was beyond me, and just in general, there are certain parts where it was just what the fuck is going? Why are they even bothering with this part of the story? <laughs> was, it doesn't seem to have any relevance whatsoever. Which bit was that? Um, it was when he started chatting to his dad, Brendan Gleeson. I just didn't see the point in them talking about the fact that this is your dad, by the way. Uh, you can kill him if you so choose. And then for them to completely backtrack on that at the very end of the film. I like the fact that they had Brendan Gleeson in. They gave him an action scene that they shot from long distance and had a stunt double in. Yep. So, Brendan, your job is to stand <laughs> and also talk. Can you do that, Brendan Gleeson? I could, that's all we need from you, Brendan. Standing just, and talking. I'm just glad that they chose an Irish actor to play the dad of Michael Fassbender. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, how can he be the biggest lad in the prison? Everyone else there is super lean. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson, less so. <laughs> Noticeably less so. It's because it's an open menu. Yeah, he but they clearly, do recommend the chicken. He clearly didn't go for the chicken. Did they he just bring minutes. him? First off, that must be minute steak because he got it in a minute and there was no veg. <laughs> no. Did he just get a slab of meat? Yep, that's... like he's a dog. Every, everything a growing boy needs, just a lump of meat cut off the cut off the animal, dropped on a plate. Hey, some people like their steak really shortly cooked. <laughs> some people like broker like to eat their steak like they eat chicken. But it needs to be cooked in a yeah. bucket. <laughs> exactly. It needs Blended. to not still be bleeding when I get to it. Minced and then put into chili. Exactly. This is what folk want when they tune into a film review podcast. Um, <laughs> and a video game podcast. is us talking about food. <laughs> Beats Gilmore Girls. True. I, I thought the thing that you were going to say that made no sense at all was him singing crazy. Crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. lonely. And I'm crazy. Crazy, crazy for feeling so blue. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Worry. Worry. Why do I let myself worry? Wondering what in the world did I do? Cause I'm crazy for crying. Crazy for dying. And, and I'm crazy for loving you. That, because no, my I, pal, my pal and I were howling, but also watching between our fingers when that bit was on. <laughs> That's pretty much where I was. I, literally, I was staring at the screen going, what the fuck is going on here? I get See? the point. I know why they've done it, but they could have done it so much better than that. So... My guess is they couldn't get a take where he wasn't doing that. <laughs> no. Michael, take 32. 
Just shut up. Just, uh, no. <laughs> it's important for my character. He has to <laughs> sing, damn it. He was just oh. auditioning. That's what it was. He was auditioning for a role in a, a new film of his that he's going to probably do in the future where it's actually a musical. He's going to be the new Hugh Jackman in Les Miserables. Yeah. <laughs> well, it took itself super seriously, which I quite liked. It wasn't It wasn't doing silly stuff in a very poor-faced way. No. It also wasn't doing a big nod and a wink, like, yes, it's a silly, we know. It was just saying, here's how it works. Yeah. There are no jokes, absolutely no comic relief at all in it. Nope. Which I quite, I was glad of, actually, because yeah. there's, there's not in the games either. There, there's bits and well. pieces. There's your uncle going, it's a me, Mario. Yeah. But there, <laughs> there's nothing, you know, it's not like when you watch most of these video game films and you watch and go, these are just, they're, they're trying to be funny because they know they can't be serious. Because and, they know it's been made for fanboys and fanboys will get the jokes. Yeah. I didn't feel... like It's been made by Assassin's Creed fans, folk who definitely know what the films are about or what the games are about. Yeah. But I didn't feel like it was being pandered to. Like, oh, here's a thing that you like, we'll put it in for you. Um, I felt that they, they took it very seriously. They yeah. got the tone. The stuff in Spain was all done in Spanish. Yep. That was super cool. I say thank God for that as well, because I think that would have wound me up if everybody had been talking English. But with oh, an accent mean, like, like Chetabi Borja would... had. <laughs> so you wanted them to be, you didn't want them to be speaking English with the occasional bit of Spanish with the subtitle for no reason. No. Or speaking in English with subtitles and then a Spanish subtitle when they were speaking in Spanish. No. Because the translation failed because the animus wasn't real. I just wanted <laughs> it all to be in Spanish. Obviously, I mean that doesn't yeah. work for a game. You can't, you can't spend. Well, you can because several games do it, but you you can't spend your you know, forty hours of your action adventure stealth game reading subtitles as well. People wouldn't play your game. But for a two-hour film where an hour and a bit of it is in Spanish, I think that's perfectly acceptable. And it wasn't even that much, though. I think if you cut all the the past stuff together, you've got maybe. Half an hour, 40 yep. minutes max. But that was the yeah. thing, wasn't it? Because this is what lowered my expectations for the film. There were a couple of bits. One was the awful slew of reviews that came out back end of December because it came out in the States last month. But the other one was the fact that once we got our first trailer for it, what, four or five months ago, the the stories that started rolling out about it said 65% in the future and only 35% in the past. And I was like, well... Well, actually, I'm not sure I want that, mainly because I don't really care about the stuff in the future. I'd much rather spend all the time doing assassiny type things in the past. And I was genuinely quite worried that, that it wasn't going to work. I have to admit, I actually quite liked it. I, I really thought it worked it. really well as a film. Yeah. I mean, as in the games, the whole you're doing the sequences to try and find something in the present day, that got on my nerves because... It, it kind of took you out of the game to play more of the game a bit later on. But as a film, it really worked because it made it obvious that the present-day stuff was essentially just cinematic stuff for the games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it spent a bit too long scene-setting for the first time he goes into the Animus, but 
I am very aware that this is for people that don't know what the Animus is. You know, to to us three, to a lot of people listening, you mentioned the Animus, you know, what it is, what it does, and, you know, why it's there. But you have to explain this to an audience that might not know. Like, I took my mum to see Assassin's Creed because she really wanted to see it. I still don't know why she wanted to see it, because it's... She wanted to see Michael Fassbender with his shirt off. Yeah, but she's got access to... In fairness, so does everyone. Well, yeah, this, this is very true, but also... He's on my list. I've seen Shame. You know, I don't need to see him with his shirt off. I've seen Shame. Of course, I've seen everything. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I've got no idea why she wanted to go and see it. Maybe it was just for Fassbender being shirtless and hanging... Maybe she wasn't to see Brendan Gleeson with his shirt off, but didn't actually get her wish. <laughs> no. But, I, you know, she came out of it having enjoyed it, but if someone had just gone, here's the animus bang and stuck him into the past she might have well, she probably would have been able to figure it out but it's nice that it was explained to people that haven't gone in there knowing what it is it does basically mean that your film has a tutorial mission which <laughs> can really wind up a lot of people I know at least one reviewer that it really did wind up uh, I was really gutted to read that he didn't quite like the film but he's not a gamer so that's okay but you know my old girl came out of it having quite enjoyed it it's not really a measuring stick. She's, you know, her taste in film is a bit all over the shop, but she didn't come out hating it, and neither did I. I came out of it quite happy. My pal liked it, but confesses that her her bar to pass is a very, very low bar. She I, enjoyed it. I find I, it really I difficult to review. I have to admit, because sitting watching it and enjoying it because I understand everything that's going on on the screen, I still had to try and be a bit. I still had to I still had to be critical about it when it needed to be because I couldn't just sit there and go like last year's Warcraft movie was shit because it was all for the fanboys but it's okay because I'm a fanboy of this one and I like this one I, I found it really tough to review it but at the same time I went, well actually I I am a big fan I can't not be a big fan when I write it I just have to you know say there are some bits where it really fucking drags yeah the, I'm glad the, you the said that first... 20-odd minutes. Yeah. And setting the, the scene was Callum. Callum was boring. Yeah. And at the the very first bit where you got the eagle and the heavy rock soundtrack. I was just going to... We, de- we definitely need to talk about this as well because the music in that film was awesome apart from that opening sequence in Spain. What the fuck was going on with that music? See, I figured that because all Assassin's Creed cinematic trailers have got modern music, like the first one is, is it not Massive Attack? Yep. And Brotherhood is Reichsop and Revelations is Iron and Wine. So you can get away with having, wait, no, Brotherhood is Tiny Temper as well. Yep. Yeah. So I thought I'll, I'll give it a pass. This is an Assassin's Creed thing. I think to to watch it without that, you'd be sitting going, "Um, I'm sorry, what? It definitely got, you know, it it didn't, uh, it didn't take me away from the film, but what it did do actually is I sat and watched it and went, wait. It made me pretty concerned for how it was going to be and the rest of it. Is this going to be just mental? Exactly that, exactly that. I sat there because you had that and then you had uh, crazy in the next scene and I was like, is this going to be another fucking Suicide Squad-esque just smash bang wallop of licensed shit music because I can't defend another game another film like that 
you know, I, I struggled hard enough last year defending Suicide Squad. Don't make me defend another another film with really shit music, because by God, this is going to be bad. Luckily, after that, it improved massively, apart from Michael Fassbender's musical number. Yeah, I'm glad you said that it was dragging for you, because I wasn't sure if it was the fact that I was watching it at 10pm on New Year's Day that oh. it was causing me to feel a bit tired towards the end. See the end, the beginning, it definitely dragged. The the, the, the whole setup, I thought was a bit slow. I thought the uh, most of the bits kind of getting him into the animus, I thought dragged. But the second he was in, I had a lot of fun. The last hour, I thought was outstanding. I really enjoyed the last hour, and actually, it flew by so quick. And we're, we're not just talking the historic stuff; we're talking the stuff like in the animus and his singing and 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 all that kind of stuff. I I thought it was great. I I didn't. I thought it dragged at the beginning, setting everything up. But once it had given yeah. me my story, I was quite happy to just sit and just let <laughs> just put whatever it wanted into my eyes. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I was meaning more the, the the London part at the end when it was just they they were talking for a bit, and I was just kind of only half paying attention because I couldn't I couldn't remain focused at this point. I didn't have a. It was predictable. I knew exactly what was coming. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, I didn't. Find, I have to admit, I didn't find it boring or slow. I just okay, crack on. I, I, I felt like that they didn't need to add that bit. They could have easily left it at where they were. Ah, yeah. but they need to set up a sequel. And I they thought also... that it's kind of set a sequel up nicely as it was because the Templars had got away with the apple. So that, there you go. There's an ending right there. The next film is them getting the apple back, not collecting the apple and having Marion Cotillard swear a blood vendetta. I'm definitely going to have to fucking spoiler warning this. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing with the ending, though, is you need... Like Marion Cotillard, she's another one where she's the good guy. We're going to cure violence. Yeah. We're going to cure murder. That's a good thing to do. Her dad, he's a baddie. Yeah. We're going to eradicate free will. That that's a bad thing to do. But you need to have a way to say actually she's the baddie for our film because she's against the good guys. The good guy being Michael Fassbender. Yeah. She needs to introduce some conflict there. And switch it very quickly from her conflict against her dad to against the assassins. Yep. Well, she spends the entire time trying to protect Fassbender from, well, turning into the husk of Brendan Gleeson. But that's the point. Because even though she does do that, he has no feelings towards her whatsoever and goes and kills her dad. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they didn't try to put a romance subplot in. No. At all. I did like that there was some connection between the two of them, though. That well, I there was the, the romance subplot in the Spanish Fassbender and the Lady Assassin. I, see, I wouldn't have it was, that subplot. It was kind it of was just, half there. It was just implied that at some point they were shagging. I was yeah, okay with that. <laughs> if you die, it's better that I die yeah. than the mission gets compromised. Yeah. I agreed. But the, I tell you, my, my biggest gripe with the Assassin's Creed film and this is gonna, it's going to be close to uh, to Brian being the only one that does the really horrifically violent stuff in the games. Is it the film just wasn't violent enough? I have to admit, I it was myself, more violent than I expected for a twelve A. 
but it wasn't violent enough for me. This it wasn't just the violence; it was the and specifically at the end with that last kill. There seemed to be absolutely no blood, considering that dude had just had his throat slit. Yeah, the high uh, yeah, there was the minor pool, that is corpse. But other than that, but you know, we've all seen Game of Thrones. Yeah, you, you know? should get a geezer if you slit someone's throat. <laughs> it just fountain. It didn't, and, and it didn't take away from the film, and it didn't cloud my opinion of the film. I just wanted a bit more. You know, I, this isn't a game. This, this isn't a, a film based on a, a U-rated game like Minecraft. This is a game based on a, a film based on a game that's at least been 15 for most of its life. For most of the time it's been around, it's been 18 rated in the in Europe and the UK or mature rated in the States. There's nothing wrong with making it a 15 rated film. There is, and that's that you'll lose money. This And this is my problem. You know, well, you, you know, there's the whole it's a 15 rated game, but the parents are still going to buy them for, you know, but that's, I mean, that's immaterial. That's well, it's and, easier to do that than it is to get a 12 year old into a 13 year old into cinemas, yeah. But this is, but I mean, the, the rating for the game and, and the fact that underage kids are going to play it is immaterial to the fact that it's just been, it's been cut by committee to get more bums on seats. And I understand why they do it. I just think it waters the experience down a little bit. How many of the assassins died in the prison camp at the end in that final fight scene that they have? Because I couldn't tell which who died and who was just like stun gunned to sleep. They only showed the the young one getting stabbed. There were three on the rooftop at the end, including Fastbender. Yeah. But it was like like I said, it was difficult to tell which ones were actually killed and which ones were just stun gunned to, to sleep. Essentially, I mean, all of the the prison guards were that were you know victimized by the, the assassins were clearly dead as they were stabbed repeatedly in the face, usually in some way. But a lot of the assassins were the guards were carrying batons and and stun rods for the most part. I think one or two actually had a knife. Okay. Uh, I think the bloke who was in control of the doors, I think he got killed. Yeah. But and what the other bloke. That was with them in the ma- of the main assassins, but the rest, as far as I'm aware, this is me really having to cast my memory back. I don't think any of them were actually killed. I. But it's difficult to tell being a twelve and no blood splatter. Yeah, but I'll I'll tell you on Thursday. I'm going to see it again tomorrow. You're going to do a kill count for me. Take a pen and paper. No, I'm off. <laughs> I'm off to see it in 3D because actually, as much as I usually try to avoid 3D films if I can, I think that. The, the fighting in the Animus thing will look very cool in 3D. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really liked the Animus. Yeah, it totally I, worked. I, I kind of can't wait to see that in the future games because they've said that, you know, that's... I'm pretty sure it was Tony who told us that, that yep. they plan to use that, that, that feature in the games. Yep. Which I think it's quite cool, but I'd be interested to see how it's going to work in the games. It... I don't think it will make I, that much of a difference to the actual I think game they'll game just show you that show them, you know, plugging them in just like they do the animus and then you're yeah. instantly in the in the the weird matrix world. What would be more it, interesting is if they make that a virtual reality uh, experience. No it won't. No more virtual reality for you. Uh, what did annoy me is when they had fighting in Spain and they it would cut in very quickly 
to see Fassbender doing it in the Animus. I, I know he's in the Animus. I know you spent money to get these effects made. Yeah, he just gave me a fight uninterrupted. It did do that I, a bit too often, but it, I didn't. It didn't break it up too much for me. But there were a couple of times I went, "Yeah, all right, I've, I'm noticing now. Please, please like, stop." Do that. it the first few times to show us what's going on. You yeah. know, right, got it. I can keep a thought in my head. I think they just kept trying to do it to try and force the point home that he's learning how to fight in essentially in muscle memory from doing this, yep. as opposed to the weird DNA voodoo that they gave uh, Desmond from Ezio. See, you say that, the the thing that makes Desmond uh, an assassin, and an actual trained assassin in the games, is the exact same thing that gives it to Michael Fassbender. It's the bleeding effect. Yeah. Except this time it causes quite scary hallucinations. Uh, creepy, <laughs> creepy Fassbender attacking uh, normal Fassbender. Let me ask you guys, towards the end of the film, when you see more than just Callum and Aguilar... Were you looking for faces to see if they were all Michael Fassbender or if one of them was one of the assassins that we know from the games? I was looking, but I didn't do that well. My pal spotted Marion Cotillard. Yep. But I didn't. No, um, I, I spotted Marion Cotillard. I thought very briefly, uh, and obviously it was done on purpose, there is a Crusades-era assassin in there. I saw him, but I couldn't see his face. No, I couldn't see his face either. I desperately wanted it to be Altair, but I'm almost certain it won't be. The only other thing I want to do when I go back to watch it tomorrow is, because it's, it's been done on purpose, and I just missed it, is when he's looking at the stuff on the wall and there's pictures of people and names. I almost want to be able to pause it so I can read those names. So I'm going to have to just pay a bit more attention tomorrow when I'm watching well, now more I think about it, I do kind of half recognize one of the assassins facing him, and that's just because I've read the the wiki article for it. And it's one of them's Arno from Unity, because oh, Arno is uh, Fassbender is a descendant of Arno on his mother's side, according to the wiki that I was reading earlier. So there's that. So you're saying that Fassbender is descended to Arno on his mother's side? Yeah. So yeah, Fassbender. Uh, so we could end up with uh, the Unity characters being put into future films, possibly. Which, you know, opens up a whole new world for them to play with because it adds the, the, the French Revolution, not just a load of Spanish people in Mexico. Well, to be fair about this, it's Assassin's Creed. It opens up, just being Assassin's Creed, it opens up whatever time frame you want because the, the, there are no rules to what area of... Or what what period of time they can come up in? But if they're going to make him fully Desmond Fassbender, then they kind of need to focus entirely on his, well, his DNA. So you can't really grab the others. Yeah, but you you don't need Fassbender for a sequel. You could make it about one of the other assassins in the group. You could do anything. I imagine Fassbender would be quite expensive to keep. Yeah, but he's also executive producer, so I think he's dead keen on it. Well, uh, apparently he'd never played any of the Assassin's Creed games until he was cast into playing in oh. the Assassin's Creed film. I had in my head that he was well up for it. No, uh, I, I watched an interview of him and he mentioned that he'd never played any of the games until he'd been cast and mm-hmm. then decided to play them out of respect. And Marion Cotillard uh, proudly said that she'd never played it and probably never will play them. It's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. everybody, she's got better things to do. Well, yeah, so not everybody has time. Yeah. And you can't be snooty about stuff like that. 
Like, yeah, she's her job is acting. She gets a script. She goes off and acts. Yeah, that's fine. She doesn't need. It's not like she'll find out about her character the, well, from the game. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's not like you know, if she was playing Lucy or Fassbender was playing Desmond, then I think it would be a necessity for them to play at least some of it, or at the very least, you know, watch one watch of those. A let's play. Yeah, watch, watch a let's play or one of those YouTube videos that shows all of the cutscenes for all of the games. But as a and the whole point of the Assassin's Creed film was. It was a completely different assassin with a completely different story. It didn't matter that they didn't play the games. Similarly, it doesn't matter that the animus is different and it doesn't matter that we haven't gone to a a time period that we haven't seen before because it's a completely different guy. And I have to admit, I came out, the first thing I'd done when I came out of that film was I googled to double check when Assassin's Creed 2 was set in comparison to that. So I didn't. So I knew that at some point they weren't doing the wrong thing to that guy's ring finger. <laughs> yeah, it was later. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, was it two or Brotherhood when the assassins that you hire get their ring fingers cut off, despite the fact that Ezio doesn't necessarily need to give people, you know, finger lobotomies. It is, but in two, you get the double blades, yeah. and Leonardo works out how to. Have to do, do it, it so you don't need to lose your finger. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Ezio's sister, when she becomes an assassin, takes one of her fingers off. Yeah. What a dick, Ezio. <laughs> <laughs> That's clearly just a typical sibling prank right there. Is that you've gone, yeah, you need to lose a finger, by the way, if you want to be an assassin. And then she <laughs> does. And calls Sorry, talking about typical sibling pranks and cutting off fingers, I kind of want to watch the prestige again. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for the prestige. <laughs> it's not like we haven't just completely ruined the entire Assassin's Creed movie for anyone that hasn't seen it yet. It's all right. It's been out for two days. What more do they want? Uh, no, I definitely, I definitely need to kind of cut in a. Sorry, guys. We're going to spoil absolutely everything, and you need to not listen to the movie bit if you haven't seen it yet because we spoil the fuck out of it. <laughs> Everybody dies except Fassbender, pretty much. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I think have, have, have we done the film to death, or have we got other things to say? No, I don't the know only thing I think I'd want to say is that the the fighting looked really good in close up, but when they zoomed out, it was just dancing. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, pretty much anybody that's listened to me talk on Foul Critics knows I just I'm a big fan of well choreographed fighting in my films and I thought for the most part it looked really really good I think the parkour was definitely a bit OTT but still a lot of fun but yeah you're right From zoomed out in the fighting it did look like dance karate it looked like everybody was kung fu fighting yep <laughs> well, I think that, that about wraps us up yep John? yeah I've got nothing more to add cool Uh, if we're not doing recommendations and things, literally we're just going to roll straight out and not do any more until until next time. So we'll be back in a fortnight. I've got no idea what we're doing in a fortnight. It's just been Christmas and New Year, and I haven't planned a fucking thing. So I'll play, it, play it by ear. We do it so well at it so far. Yeah, we'll we'll be playing it by ear. So next, you know, next episode will be something, and it'll be in a couple of weeks. But until then, Mister Miller, where can people find you? 
can find me on Twitter at the John underscore CU and on Xbox Live as Long Dong Silver. Cool. And I am on Twitter at Brooker411. I am almost always writing something for Falcritics or appearing on their podcast. And yeah, that's where you find us if you don't want to listen to more podcasts until then. And I, well, I'm hanging around with Brian on Falcritics every so often. I'm waving at my microphone. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it's, all that's left to say is thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Brian, for joining us. It's been awesome. Thanks very so much. And we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. Character Unlock was presented by Andrew Brooker and John Miller, with music provided with permission from Miracle of Sound from the track A Dog's Life. Character Unlock is recorded for failed critics and is a part of the failed media network of podcasts, along with Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights and the Failed Critics Film Podcast. And you can check us out at failedcritics.com or find us on Twitter at Character Unlock. Thanks for listening. Nowhere in this city have I met a man equal to myself. Charismatic enough to raise an unstoppable army. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.